Blog Talk Radio. Beatles fans blog, 
uh, coupons, gifts, and things like that. So JohnLennonSeries.com. Now, Lena and I started this show thinking we do it once every couple of months, and we've ended up being here twice a month to compare and contrast controversial topics in the Beatles world. We debated the Beatles versus the Stones, and now on the 9th of July, we're going to be kicking off our new debate on the topic, which was the best Beatles film, A Hard Day's Night or Help? And to lay the historical groundwork for our upcoming debate, We'll be hosting rock historian Al Sussman, the author of Changing Times, 101 Days That Shaped a Generation. And he will give us an in-depth and informed perspective on both of the Beatles films. And then throughout July, August, and part of September, Jude and I will tackle this controversial subject with Jude supporting help and yours truly supporting a hard day's night. But today, we are going to pause in this debate discussion format to introduce you. I mean, I have goosebumps when I say this because this is a rare opportunity (laughs) for Beatles people. We are going to introduce you to one of the most important and inspirational personalities that we've encountered in the Beatles world a highly respected newsman for the mega network of the 1960s, the Westinghouse Network. Our guest was hand-selected to cover, first of all, in August of 1964, the 1964 Democratic Presidential Convention. And then, without even a breather, he flew to join the Beatles, who were already one week into their North American tour, and he remained with them throughout the duration of that whirlwind experience. And because he is so intelligent, interesting, and informed, Jude's beloved John Lennon was drawn to our hashtag guest and constantly asked this seasoned newsman questions about his days in Alabama with Dr. Martin Luther King and about his coverage of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. And as they talked together late at night about these topics and more, they became close friends. And now Jude Kessler and I are especially excited to welcome to the show one of the most well-respected journalists of the 1960s and beyond, Art Schreiber. Art, welcome to She Said, She Said. Thank you very much. Nice to be with both of you. Well, we are thrilled. We are just, we have looked forward to this so much, and we're so glad you're here. Oh, thank you. We are delighted. Well, Art, we only have half an hour together live, but there's an extra 10 minutes off air, which will be heard, can be heard on our archived program if listeners are listening live. Um, And that's not a lot of time to hear all of your exciting stories, so we're going to plunge right in. Tell us, if you will, about August of 1964, about the Democratic Convention and how you were chosen to go directly from that convention to meet the Beatles for their 1964 North American tour. Well, I was news director of KYW in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, to 
today KYW is in Philadelphia. It was then in Cleveland. Uh, it had first started out in Philadelphia. KYW moved to Cleveland and then moved back uh, to Philadelphia, where it is today. But it was a big 50,000-watt uh, AM radio station in Cleveland, and Westinghouse really believed that they had to be number one in news wherever they were, and, and they just put an awful lot of money into news. And I was very fortunate in being asked to be their news director in Cleveland. And one day I came back. Uh, it was uh, late in well, summer of 64. And I stopped at the program director's office, and all the disc jockeys were sitting around the perimeter of the room with the music director, the public affairs director, and it was like a wake. No one was saying a word, and I said, what's wrong? And someone said, HK got the Beatles, and that <laughs> meant that our number one brought the Be were had scheduled to bring the Beatles to Cleveland for their upcoming tour of North America. I don't know whatever possessed me, but I looked at the program director and I said, why don't you put me on the Beatles tour? And he jumped <laughs> in the manager's office. Well, in those days, Westinghouse had a bureau in Washington, and if you covered a national story as a local station, you had to get permission from the bureau chief to do that because you covered for the whole company. And they also had uh, other broadcast companies that bought their news service. And uh, while they went in, called this Jim Snyder, the bureau chief, and when they told him that they wanted Art Schreiber to cover the Beatles, he said, no way. Uh, he's got to cover the Democratic Convention. And it happened mm -hmm. to be at the same time the Beatles tour started out on the West Coast. Well, the bottom line was the manager and program director went all the way to New York to the company president, executive vice president. They had a big meeting. They flew me into New York. I'll always remember the executive vice president coming around his big desk and looking at me and getting very close. And he says, Art, Art, why would you want to cover the Beatles? <laughs> and I told him I thought it was a great story, not just a music story, but it was what was happening in America. And the bottom line is they compromised. I had to cover the Democratic Convention. And the reason that for that, uh, I'll say this for the bureau chief. I had been assigned for uh, a couple of years. I had been covering Dr. King in the South. Uh, I had traveled with Dr. King through throughout the South as he was leading the fight for voting rights. And uh, so I had gotten to know an awful lot of the political people in Alabama, uh, Bull Connor, the famous police chief of Birmingham, later became the head of the Highway Patrol. Uh, uh, other important people, George Wallace, the governor. 
So mm-hmm. that's why they wanted me covering the Democratic Convention. I was assigned to the Alabama delegation. So right. happened they walked out in the convention very early on, and I didn't have much to do in covering the Democrat mm-hmm. uh, of Alabama because they'd gone home. Tough. But anyway, I flew up to New York and joined the Beatles. They flew from from the West Coast. They performed those two concerts at the old Forest Hills Tennis Complex, mm-hmm. uh, which was a natural amphitheater. And they performed there. And guess where we went? I had just spent 10 days in Atlantic City. Well, that night, Derek Taylor, their communications person, he, he said to me, Art, you know where we're going? I said, no. <laughs> He said, we're going to Atlantic City. (laughs) I had just spent a lot of time there, so we went back to Atlantic City. And that first night, John Lennon said to me, I had met by this time, now I met all the Beatles, and John Lennon said to me, and why he, I have to this day don't know why, but he said, ah, Ah, do you play Monopoly? And I said, yeah, I play with my kids. He said, I have a board. I said, yeah? He said, George and I play. These other guys, they, they don't want to play. They play poker. And I, he said, you, will you play? I said, oh, yeah, I'll play. Well, that was my downfall. I played every night for the next three weeks with George and John and they could sleep all day, but I had to work all day. But I got very little sleep on the tour, but we had a wonderful time playing <laughs> Monopoly. I love it. So that was really how I got on the tour. And uh, I did not know, but apparently Derek Taylor uh, I assume it was Derek Taylor, knew, uh, told people, even the other newsmen. I'd like to, I've never asked Ivor Davis, uh, who I became great friends with, not only on the tour, but then Ivor, you know, uh, was, trans- he uh, became the West Coast Bureau Chief of the London Times, and I was, uh, ended up managing a big all-news station for Westinghouse in L.A., mm-hmm. and, of course, that's where I renewed my friendship with Ivor and his wife, Sally. And, yeah. uh, and so uh, I've often wondered if, I, if Derek Taylor told them what I had done, like covering uh, the Kennedys, covering uh, King, Man's Space, and when Lennon knew uh, somebody had told him this, and all he wanted to talk about, not music, not uh, the Beatles, he wanted to find out, he, he was really interested in the political atmosphere going on in America at the time. He couldn't understand why there were so many riots. He couldn't understand why the assassination of John Kennedy, yeah. and of course later 
uh, the, came the assassination not only of Dr. King but Bobby Kennedy in '68, yeah. but uh, and his own assassination. Yeah. And I Just, even mm-hmm. had arranged. I I was transferred then from. Uh, I I moved from Westing from Cleveland. I was uh, I went to Chicago uh, as a news director. But then Westinghouse appointed me bureau chief, the same job that that fellow that didn't want me covering the Beatles, uh, I had his job. He went to CBS. I took over the bureau chief's job in Washington and then got transferred as manager in Philadelphia and then all the way to L.A. and managed KFWB. And so... uh, I, when I then left Westinghouse to uh, join Hubbard Broadcasting Company, because Westinghouse wanted to, uh, my wife in the meantime had passed away because of breast cancer, and I was left with two teenagers, and Westinghouse tried to move me to New York, and my kids did not want to go. And I felt I owed that to my children, not do what the company wanted me to do. I had done that all for 17 years and lost a wife in the meantime. And so I left the company and uh, then was hired by Hubbard Broadcasting Company in Minneapolis. Uh, And I called John Lennon. And I said, I'm going to be closer to New York now. I'm going to work in Minneapolis. I'd like to come in, talk to you with a tape recorder on Let's Reminisce About Tour. Now, this was coming up to 84, would have been 24 years anniversary. And I said, I'm thinking about even a book or at least a magazine piece. He said, great, let's do it. And the date we set was two weeks after his assassination. Oh, oh. well, Art, I know how much John um, respected you. And he did not respect a lot of people, but he respected you, and he really esteemed not only the work you did, but what an honest and forthright person you were. And it meant a lot to him to have your friendship on that 1964 tour. But I know you also had a very unusual relationship with Paul McCartney. In fact, you say Paul McCartney saved your life. So well, tell he, us that story. he saved my career. He really did save my career. Uh, what happened was uh, – the Jim Snyder, the bureau chief, he he was so opposed to even covering the Beatles. He didn't think it was. Uh, I can't believe this today. It's hard to believe, but he didn't think it was a big story. And uh, just imagine. I mean, every stadium, every venue was jam packed, and nobody heard what the Beatles played because the noise was so. Uh, enormous, but Jim didn't think we should be covering the Beatles, especially Art Schreiber, who had covered very important stories like traveling with presidents and and right. Doc King and Man's Space. He thought that was beneath my so-called dignity. Uh, 
And mm-hmm. he thought when I we were in Minneapolis, no, I'm sorry, Milwaukee, I get a call in my hotel room from Jim Strider. He said, "My when you guys come to Baltimore, my daughter's got a ticket to see the Beatles. I want autographs. Well, we had made a pledge never to ask for autographs. I said, Jim, I can't get you autographs. He hung up on me. Now, he had a great deal to do with my future career. Yeah. Okay, he even stopped talking to me uh, when I would call in with my stories. On our final leg to New York, the Beatles were to go home the next day. That night they were to perform at the Paramount Theater. Um, uh, and uh, I, Paul, Paul came out. I always sat with John on the plane. On We, we sat together all the time. Right. And he sat on the aisle. I was in the next seat. And he was gone somewhere. And Paul came up and said, where's John? I said, I don't know. And Paul started to walk away. I said, Paul, do me a favor. He said, what? I said, my boss's daughter saw you in Baltimore. I said, would you say something to her? And I I grabbed my tape recorder under my seat. He said, turn it on. (laughs) And have this cut that maybe we'll play at the Big Bash, uh, Jude, in uh, when I, Ivor and I come to Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I had this cut, and I said, I'm with Paul McCartney. Beatles are going home tomorrow. I said, Paul, Margaret Ann Schneider saw you in Baltimore. She waved to you, and she thinks you waved back. And he goes, of course, of course I did. I said, that's Margaret Ann Schneider. And Oh, he goes on and on, and I have that cut that he and I sent it when I got back home to Cleveland. I had an engineer put it on a cassette, and I sent it to Jim Snyder. He passed; mm-hmm. he has since passed away. But I sent it to Jim Snyder with no note, mm-hmm. and he called me about a week later, and he said. We had a babysitter last night. I took the babysitter home, and I came back, and I thought I heard something when I went by Margaret Ann's room. I pushed the door open. She's laying there with a tape recorder right by the rear, and she looked up at me and said, Daddy, Daddy, he said my name. He said my name. That saved my career. That is the best. Did he ever know how big that was? No, and I've tried to reach him. Uh, Even I performed my Beatles uh, presentation at the Rock Hall of Fame in Cleveland about four years ago. Uh, Even the Rock uh, people tried to get me uh, to uh, Paul, but I've never been able to contact him or Ringo. And I know that they would, I I feel certain they would talk to me if they only knew I was trying to reach them. (laughs) Yeah, I think so, too. You know, but even Frida Kelly, who is the Beatles fan club secretary, has, you know, she's had to make 
appointments or stand in line or wait, the, the protective bubble, and I don't blame Paul or Ringo because of what happened to John, and of course George's house was yes. broken into, and he was almost killed if his wife hadn't protected him with a lamp. Uh, you know, so I'm sure that they're very, very protected. But a minute ago, Art, you alluded to the time that we're going to have together in Arkansas. And for our listeners, Art is going to be joining us September the 14th and 15th in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas, for our two-day Beatles Festival and Symposium, Beatles at the Ridge. And on Friday night, the 14th, Art is going to share the stage with his dear friend, Ivor Davis, both reporters, journalists on that 1964 North American tour, and they're going to be sharing their true stories and great, great memories. Um, And weirdly enough, Lena, did you just say we have a caller? Yes, and this is rather unusual. We rarely take live callers onto the show, but it appears today that we have one. Um, Art, do you mind answering a call from a caller? No, go ahead. Well, hello, caller, are you there? This is, yes, I am from deepest, darkest California, calling, calling, calling. (laughs) (laughs) I recognize that voice, the one and only Ivor Davis. It's it's an impersonator, it's an impersonator. Wow, is that you, Arturo? Ivor, it's yeah. great hearing from you, and thank you for calling. <laughs> yes, oh, God, I, w- I wouldn't miss the opportunity because, you know, you and I have known each other for a few years, and frankly, uh, we never talk about that rock group, do we? No, that's right. <laughs> you never go back and reminisce? <laughs> well, you know, listen, the thing is, as Art knows, when you've reached my age, you forget. Uh, who is this again? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that you do not forget. I have read your book cover to cover, and you got everything right, Ivor Davis. Yes, well, he thank did. Thank you so much. And lovely, lovely to talk to you all. Um, and, and, the, and, the, and more excitingly, I shall be seeing you soon. Well, that is true in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas, for Beatles at the Ridge. So since we've got you two together, Lena and I want to know, inquiring minds want to know, what each of you, what's your most memorable moment of that 64 tour? If you had to pick one, uh, Art will let you go first. What would you pick as your most memorable moment? Uh, it would be in Cleveland when the, when the concert was stopped uh, by the police and the Beatles stormed off the stage. I was very fortunate. I was in the wings. John said to me, come on. And we get in the elevator, go to the green room. I locked the door. Now, imagine our biggest competitor has paid $25,000 to bring these guys to Cleveland, and I uh, am with them. And I grabbed the phone and called the station, and now the concert's been stopped. Our competitor is down there uh, with the jockeys on the floor, but I've got the Beatles in the green room, and I'm interviewing them. That was was probably the greatest 
uh, greatest coup I ever had as a newsman. <laughs> That's fantastic. And Ivor, what about you? Well, I just want you to say I remember that event because they brought the curtain down. And afterwards, John Lennon said, that cheeky chappy, our driver, kidnapped me. And that's what he said. Uh, so I would like you, I would like you to, can you review your memory and tell me, if, did you kidnap John Lennon? Did I what? Kidnap, kidnap. No, no. Steal him away. Hide him in the green oh, room. Lennon said, come on out. And, and I just jump in the elevator with them, and we go up to the green room. But, but I did lock the door, and there were a lot of... Well, I was, ham- Listen, Art, I was hammering on that door for ten minutes, and you ignored me completely. <laughs> Lena, I think it's going to be a great reunion. How about you? Oh, my goodness. I think that Walnut Ridge is going to be on fire in September when we have the reunion of Art Schreiber and our precious Ivor Davis, who are both on our great show today. And be sure you set your calendar for September 14th and 15th in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. Um, Gentlemen, we are so um, thankful that you both joined us today. Do you each um, do you have a favorite Beatles song that you like? Uh, you yeah, go ahead. If my son were uh, on this program. He's a great Beatles fan. He would uh, say, uh, "Dad, uh, name three Beatles songs," and I wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, uh, that shows you. He, he he believes that the worst person in the world to have ever covered the Beatles was his father. Uh, <laughs> I don't know any Beatles tunes, but I would I would guess I I always liked Love Me Do. Oh yeah, it's the greatest. You the can't greatest. go wrong. Yeah, and Ivor, tell him about your book. Oh, um, which book are we talking about now? The brand new uh, one that's coming out any day now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I must say I had great fun writing a book called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Penguins. And it's about four. It's a, it's a somewhat fanciful tale of four penguins who become rock stars and they want to be as big as, almost as big as the Beatles. And it's kind of a fun, a fun thing, and I will bring it with me to the ridge. Great. Well, Pete, we're going to be giving you a book release party, in fact. So I, I know, even went to the Falkland Islands to look at the penguin. Whoa. Uh, well, exactly. But that, wait a minute. Did, how did you know that? Because that's where the idea for the book came when I went to the Falkland Islands. Are you telling me you went to the Falkland Islands by yourself without me? (laughs) (laughs) I can see this is going to be the best event of the Ridge. We are going to, our faces are going to be sore from smiling. (laughs) I believe so. And also, Art will be selling and signing his book at Walnut Ridge, and it's about dealing with the sudden and unexpected blindness and a a condition that hasn't slowed him down one bit. 
His book is called Out of Sight and Doing All Right. And we're we have a couple of extra minutes, Art, where where our time is good. So will you tell people what happened to you as far as your sight goes? Well, I uh was always very nearsighted. Uh used to be kidded as a kid because I wore bottom bottom glasses and I I was called Magoo and what all low vision people have to go through. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I uh, managed to do okay with uh, bad vision, and then went to even got uh, the contacts. But uh, suddenly in L.A. in 1969, I lost one eye due to a detached retina. They could not mm. uh, went through seven surgeries, couldn't restore the sight. And then in 1982, August of 82, I woke up on vacation uh, outside of a resort in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the lights were out. And thanks to the National Federation of the Blind, uh, they they really changed my life. I got with them, uh, and I now... Uh, I try to help a lot of people who are losing sight. I'm chairman of the New Mexico Commission for the Blind. Uh, have been I've been appointed by three or four or five governors uh, over the years, and I'm still the chairman. Uh, I'm just retired as the first vice president of the National Federation of the Blind Senior Division, where I was first vice president. But I'm I try to help people who are losing sight because, please believe me, folks, if you are losing sight, it is not the end of the world. There is life after blindness, and I can help. And uh, my website is archschreiber.com, or uh, call me. I'm on the in the book. I'm uh, my phone number is. <laughs> Well spread out over New Mexico with the Commission mm-hmm. for the Blind, uh, so I take calls and I would be glad to try to help anyone who is losing sight. And as testimony to the ability to keep going, Art is going to be joining Ivor. They're both going to be with us, as we said, September 14th and 15th in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. So he's getting on a plane flying in, transferring to a car, coming to a symposium, speaking, staying in a hotel, your life doesn't have to be over, and and he will be glad to share that with you. And we are so looking forward to having both Art and Ivor talking about the Beatles North American tour, and I'm sure Art will go more into that Cleveland concert that was almost stopped dead in its tracks, and Ivor's going to tell us about his unexpected stopover in Key West, Florida, along with John Trusty, who was there, and that scrum of a concert that unfolded in New Orleans. So it is going to be a good, good symposium. And Jude, uh, Ivor doesn't know until just this moment that he's going to have to be my sighted guide. Oh, good deal. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I have applied to be your sidekick. So it will be the – I was going to be the, da- the Davis Shriver show, but I've reworked it. It's now the Shriver Davis show. <laughs> <laughs> no, Davis I comes before Shriver. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 
Maybe we'll form well, a Well, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, mark your calendars. You don't want to miss this, September 14th and 15th. These two noted newsmen, they almost sound like they're more of comedians, but um, we are going to have a great old time at Beatles at the Ridge. You can also find that online. And as we come to the end of our time together, a huge heartfelt thanks to Art Schreiber for being our hashtag eye candy guest today and sharing his wonderful memories with the Beatles and our longtime friend Ivor Davis as well for joining in the fun. We appreciate you both. Thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. Thank you so much. See you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. And don't Bye. For- don't forget to set aside... Monday, 9th of July at 4 p.m. Central to join us again on She Said, She Said when Al Sussman will set the stage for our Hard Days Night versus Help debate. As for Beatles fans, August the 10th through the 12th at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare for the book release party for Volume 4 of the John Lennon series Should Have Known Better. Until then, here's food for thought, food for the soul, and food for the love of rock and roll. Tra and shine on. We're back in the lonely heart.